Welcome to Time Out for Anesthesia. In these episodes, you'll hear a variety of experts discuss data, analytics, and strategies that can help you modernize and empower your anesthesia practice. We want this podcast to really benefit you, so if you have any questions or a specific topic you'd like Time Out to discuss, you can email us at timeout at graphiumhealth.com. Enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Time Out for Anesthesia. I'm your host, David Henderson. So glad to have you here and especially glad to have our guest, a returning guest this time, CEO of Graphium Health, Daniel Dura. I affectionately call him Danny. I actually, I don't know if anybody, I've ever heard anybody call you Daniel. Actually, that's what everybody usually calls me. So Daniel's like, yeah, that Daniel's what my mother called me when she was mad at me. So (laughs) yeah, Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, if if I ever call you Danny, uh, it would be like my wife calling me David instead of Hunter or something like that. That's that's when I know. Um, Well, great to have you back on, Danny. You've been doing okay? I'm doing great. No, it's fun to fun to be back on. I I know uh, you've been trying to get me back on for a while, so this is yeah. We we cleared out some time in the schedule, and yeah, hopefully we can chat about some fun stuff. Well, thank you so much for doing that. Um, and really, uh, I had a very specific reason for inviting you back on because you and I were having a conversation the other day, and something pinged, and I thought, wow, that is a really interesting and important topic. And I wanted to bring it back up and I wanted to hear, I wanted our audience to hear a little bit more about it just because um, I think it's something that is relatively, it's a relatively new idea and it's a, but it's a concept that if we can kind of add it to the way that we think about technology, technology purposes, um, technology purchases also, um, I think I think it levels things out, and that concept that we can that you uh, mentioned the other day is called time to value or TTV. Yep. Um, and so, just to start with, can you just give us kind of your definition of time yeah, to value? I'll try to I'll try to keep it pretty casual. Um, you know, time to value is it's something that we, they talk a lot more about in kind of the SaaS world these days, the software as a service world. But it it really does apply to pretty much any business. It again doesn't matter if you're an anesthesia practice or a bank or whatever. Um, but the idea is it, it is the a measure of the time that it takes from a customer purchasing your product to actually getting um, having kind of that 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 moment of realization that they're getting value out of it. Um, and sometimes I think people call that like this is an aha moment, right? That's that's one of the things okay. you'll hear if you like look up definitions of this. Um, but it is, it, it's, I think that's a great way to, to kind of put it. It's like, when does that customer have that moment where they're just like, oh, that was, that was great. That was awesome. That was exactly, you know, what I was looking for. Um, and so it, it's, you know, it's something that you try to reduce the time on, obviously, and the shorter you can get it, the better. Um, on top of that, you want it to be something that uh, a customer can usually reach on their own in a fairly easy way, right? You don't want it to be something where I have to handhold you very specifically through it. Um, you know, you want them to be able to come to the realization on their own that they're getting value um, 
um, out of okay. your product or your service. So got it. That makes sense. Um, and I'm hearing a little bit of distinction, but uh, this is a little bit different from ROI, return on investment. Yeah. And- yeah, ROI, uh, similar, very similar concepts, right? In the sense that um, they're looking at value, right? ROI is a measure of value. It's a, but it it very specifically usually looks at how much have I put into this? You know, what is it going to take for me to invest in this platform versus what am I getting back? And it's a measure of the difference of those things. Obviously, you always want it <laughs> to be in the positive. Um, so if I'm going to spend, you know, a thousand dollars and I'm going to invest this amount of time into the product, what is it returning to? me at some specific point in the future. Um, and usually that's a little further out. Uh, most ROI is in, is seen over time. And so, you know, from a, you know, if you're doing like an RFP, you kind of calculate that out and you try to figure out, you know, what's my ROI and what's the lifetime, you know, value of the product and what's my, you know, my working investment going to be in the product, but it's a similar kind of idea. I think the difference with time to value is it's actually probably more of a personal thing for each user. And that's what you kind of want to look at is you want to look at your individual user roles. And, you know, if I have a user who is is uh you know for example in our in our case a frontline provider who's on on the front line who's using our application every day what they want to see is very different than the back office administrator they're going to measure value in different ways and you want to look at each of them and say how do i how do i help that person get to that aha moment the quickest right and right. so that's that's where you kind of approach it in a, in a bit of a different way so uh, diving a little bit deeper into what you just said, um, the idea of value itself is a little bit liquid, right? Because when we first approach a project, the value of users, I can see uh, over, the, over the course of time, I can see the values even of Graphium users, I can see that their value has changed over time just because of their yeah. acquaintance with technology. So I could see challenges such as a really lengthy onboarding time. Well, if technology has gone obsolete by the end of a by the end of an onboarding time, all of a sudden this time to value thing is all over the place and maybe it changes or maybe the technology just isn't valuable. Yeah. Maybe it becomes impossible. Um, also, like you said, you're dealing with people, right? So yeah. whose value is what, things like that. Sorry, well, and this ahead. is no, no, and this is this is that. I mean, that's an incredible point, and and definitely something you have to consider is that time to value number one depends on the person, right? Again, it's a very personal thing, which means number one, you have to understand your customer incredibly well, um, and a lot of people think they do. <laughs> I mean, there are moments where we think right. we do, and then we learn things about them. We have to adjust that that perception that we have of our customer and what are they looking for out of this product? Um, it depends on the customer segment, you know, and for us, like we, I mean, right now, I think we divide our customer segments into about 14 or 15 different segments, which is insane. When you think about it, there's a lot more than that. And in between each of those, there's multiple subsets of segments, depending on the user. You have to know each of those very, very well to be able to address this, because if you don't know them first, how can you, you know, tailor your product, tailor your experience or your service to meet those individual needs as quickly as possible. Um, and so it's, it is one of those things where you have to really first, you know, understand who it is, who your client is. And then secondly, you've got to back that up by going to your point, 
how's that change over time? <laughs> because right. what they value today, what people valued in January of 2020 was very different than what they valued in <laughs> April of 2020. Right. Right. And, and if you're going, if you were, you know, still trying to get them to quote value in April, 2020, using the same thing you were doing in, in January, you were going to fail very quickly. And so, you know, in times like that, and we're kind of entering another one of those times right now where there's going to be a lot of transition, you really have to stay on top of it and constantly be looking at, okay, are they telling me they're getting value? And if they're not, what is the thing that I need to do to to get them to what they think they need, right? Because that's right. what matters, obviously, is what the customer needs. Yeah, completely right. And even now, you know, pandemic is one thing, um, stagflation and concerns of economy yep. are another thing. Another thing that I think affects where value lies for different people, for, for different users of Graphium, for instance, in the anesthesia world, are rules and regulations, right? Yeah. That that are kind of a moving target. One, one that we deal with a lot of time is macro, right? The rules yep. of macro change every year. Oh, 100%. Um, and not only that, but now we have uh, one of the bigger topics that's coming out, not just in anesthesia, but healthcare uh, kind of nationwide is the No Surprises Act. Yeah. Um, and that's changed. I mean, so now with those, one thing that's changing all the time every year and one thing that's kind of new on the scene and changing a lot of things really quickly, all of a sudden uh, values have shifted <laughs> around those ideas um, and the yeah. ability of technology or a company to address those things and, and be able to pivot towards the, understand those things and pivot towards those things contributes, I think, to the time to value. A lot no, of time. no doubt. And, and that's where like, you have to be very open to kind of analyze, you know, your business and the, and the market and, and be very open to the fact that number one, your platform may not solve all their needs right now. And, and you have to be open to ideas of how you may help them with that otherwise. Right. And so, right. you know, government regulation is a perfect example. Like, you know, every year macro changes. And and I mean, even during the year, especially the last few years with, with COVID, it changes during the year where suddenly the government says, you know, yeah, no, eh, really most of you don't need to do that this year. Well, suddenly something that our customers focused on for nine months suddenly gets, you know, pulled out from under them, their values inherently shift, right? And now right. they're going to relook at your software platform and go, well, what's it doing for me now, right? You have to be able to message around that. You have to be able to tell a story around that. Um, and again, look at them and and have a conversation with them to say, how can I help you now? You know, software as a service, especially, is, is an interesting thing. Yes, we're providing a software platform. Yes, we are also providing a service. Um, you know, that means having to be nimble, being able to change your platform very quickly to meet the needs, you know, of your customer. Um, but most importantly, again, having that constant communication. You know, I, I obviously kind of, you know, um, grew my chops in the, you know, box software world. I mean, that's where, you know, we had... You know, it was every 18 to 24 months is when we would ship out a gold master to the company for provisioning and they would, you know, ship millions of boxes of cellophane software <laughs> to customers, right? right? If I start today, like it's not, it's going to be two years before my customer sees my product. That's a very different concept. And unfortunately, a lot of those ideas and, and the way we think about things is kind of held over. We've got to get rid of that. It's about having constant communication, iterating quickly, 
you know, understanding them, being able to translate those needs into something that can actually help them. And then the last part, which is again, time to value is like, how do I get them to realize that they're getting the value? Because again, this is one of the big problems with time to value. I see with, with a lot of um, startups, they actually may be delivering value, but their customers don't know it. And that's kind of the, the, you know, the last part of this, which is, well, you can do everything you want. If they don't think you're delivering value, are you? Like if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's around, does anybody <laughs> hear it, right? I mean, it's right. it's this idea that like you could actually be delivering an incredible amount of value. If the customer doesn't know it, doesn't matter at all. So how do you get them to realize, you know, that that you're delivering that value? Right, totally right. And then from the other perspective, I think um, a company, you know, if a user is looking for a company they can use this concept to figure out, okay, are these people dedicated to my cause and my value yeah. over time? And I think, like you said, on the part of the company, you're looking for a company that's humble enough to listen um, yeah. and to recognize who's smart enough to make it happen uh, yes. across time. And, you know, it might be that they're humble enough for it, but they can't do much about it because they don't have a team of engineers, for instance, who can really yeah. make stuff happen. Um, and then finally, are they are they hungry for that value as well? Do they desire yeah. you to feel the value yeah. um, enough to where they're going to use those smarts to to go and, and figure things out on your behalf? You know, 100 percent, 100 percent. And again, it does always come back to culture. It comes back to you know, and and this is where, you know, for us in particular, working with the right customers is important, right? Because this is a relationship. This is something where, you know, and, and this is not unique to us. This is every, you know, software as a service startup has to approach this as, you know, am I connecting with my customers in a meaningful way? Do I have the right culture, you know, that I can share with them so that we can jointly embark on this adventure together, right? Um, and look, you know, we all do great sometimes, and sometimes we drop the ball, and and on both sides, right? Sometimes our customers drop the ball, sometimes we drop the ball. Let's be honest; we all make mistakes at times. The reality is, do you have a relationship that that allows you to do that? Allows you to make mistakes? Allows you to try to move forward? Um, if you do, you know, um, you know, all tides raise ships, right? I mean, it's at the end of the day, we're going to you know, we're all going to rise together if we do this in the right way. And and that's, that's where I think we, we just have to remember that, um, you know, it always will come back to the relationship you have. It will always come back to how you communicate. It'll always come back to your team, you know, on the software side and on the customer side, like, are they humble enough to communicate? It's hard sometimes for people, customers, especially to communicate where things are not going well. Right, trying to get them to open up and say, "I, I'm not seeing this." They may feel pressure that a boss, you know, approved this purchase of software and is saying, "Hey, that's working great, isn't it?" And they're like, "Yeah, it's working great." And yet, behind the scenes, they're like stressed out because they can't figure out something that doesn't help you as the vendor. It doesn't help them as a customer. There, it requires a bit of vulnerability on their on their side, and then on our side to go. When somebody comes to us and says, "Hey, I'm really struggling with this," and if you don't have an answer to it, like you're like, hey, my software platform doesn't meet that need. Are you being open about that? Going, you know what? We really don't have a good answer for that right now. But you know, we'd love to sit down with you and understand what you're doing there so that we can come up with one. Um, and so, 
there's a lot of culture that has to obviously kind of, you know, um, exist between you and your customers. It has to exist inside your organization first, right? And it has to exist in theirs. That's again, why it's good to pick good customers. You know, you want to work with the best um, because they help you as much as you'll be able to help them. Right. Well, Danny, I thank you so much. I think you, um, I, I really admire your mindset about the relationship between between a customer Thanks. and a company. And I don't think I don't think that it's um, I don't think it's something you're going to find very frequently, right? Um, and well, we'll we'll talk about your bonus later, then, David. For the year. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> also, your hair looks really nice today. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> No, thank you. I mean, it's a great topic, honestly. Like, I really, um, it was, it was really cool that you kind of picked that out, and it's something that, you know, again, I hope, hopefully, we can all. I, I mean, I learned it by listening to other people. Hopefully, somebody gets some value out of this as well. So, yeah, no, I definitely think they will. Um, and yeah, I'll continue to pick things out of our conversations that you won't expect, and we'll just keep <laughs> having episode after episode. Works for me. All right, Danny. Well, thank you so much for being here and everybody here. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the next episode of Time Out for Anesthesia. Bye-bye.